I'm Linda. And I'm Craig. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This is episode 177 and we're talking about our recent week's travel in Laos. Yeah, we're really excited to talk about it because we had a really good time when we were there. Before we get into it, let's tell you about where we are at the moment, which is also pretty awesome. Yeah, we're sitting in um, Linda's sister's place in Henley Beach in Adelaide, South Australia, and it's been a really nice week. It's mm-hmm. been um, really relaxed. We've been out meeting people. We met uh, a new Indie Travel podcast listener, Michelle, for lunch the other day, and we're actually going around to her place for a barbie tonight. Um been just organizing the next few weeks really and and hoping to meet up with some more people yeah and we've also been invited by a couple of um, my sister's friends to go up to the Barossa and spend some time with them so we're really looking forward to doing that yeah and we might be hooking up with the Quaff Boys which are uh, local kind of social media people for wine in South Australia and going uh cellar door to cellar door with them as well so So, yeah life is pretty good I mean the weather hasn't been super wonderful we've yeah, it's been a bit overcast most of the time. So although we've got beautiful views of the sea, we haven't spent a lot of time in it. Although yesterday we did pull out the kayaks and go for a bit of a paddle. Yeah, that was that was great fun. But um, yeah, when you say the weather's been a bit bad, it's nothing compared with the snow that's been closing airports across Europe and basically stuffing up everyone's life. Oh yeah, yeah. I need <laughs> to keep kind of keep my. Uh, my weather in perspective I I think you do I think you do I'm a bit sad because it's you know two degrees too cool to go swimming (laughs) (laughs) not two degrees below zero (laughs) sorry everyone (laughs) yeah hey don't forget that you can help the indie travel podcast stay traveling that's that's us uh by booking through us so please visit indietravelpodcast.com forward slash flights hotels hostels or forward slash insurance when you're booking your travel online uh, we also have travel deals updating daily at IndieTravelPodcast.com forward slash deals. You can also visit IndieTravelPodcast.com forward slash Amazon when shopping online now and during your upcoming Christmas shopping, which you should probably be doing now anyway. Um, also, you can get a free audiobook with a two-week trial of Audible through IndieTravelPodcast.com slash Audible or slash audiobook. You choose. <laughs> you decide. No, it's, no, no Big Brother references. Thanks very much. <laughs> Oh, let's uh, let's talk about Laos. I mean, we were traveling there with uh, a Kiwi company um, called Stray. You mm-hmm. can find out more about them at indietravelpodcast.com forward slash stray underscore Asia or stray underscore NZ for New Zealand if you're heading there. Mm-hmm. And uh, they run a, a hop-on, hop-off backpacker bus. So you can get um, a pass and you choose what you want to get like the route that you want Mm -hmm. and then you've got 12 months to use it so you can jump on and jump off as many times as you like um, as long as you're always heading in the right direction over 12 months. Yeah it's an awesome idea because it means that you don't really have to think about finding transport from one place to the next you kind of plan out your your itinerary where you're going to go and then you can spend time in each place for as long as you want. Sadly, however, we decided to do this quite late in the piece. Yeah. So we um, we chose the Tom Yum Pass, which is a, a 10-day pass starting from Bangkok. And we had a, a train trip up to... Where did we get off the first one? We went to Sokotai. Uh, we went Sokotai. to Sokotai. Yeah, we, yeah, had to, we took the train halfway towards Chiang Mai and then had a, a tuk-tuk ride to Sokotai. And the next day we went to Chiang Mai, a couple of days in Chiang Mai, and then we went across to Laos and had seven days in Laos and then went back to, um, to Thailand. Mm. And it would have been very, very, very super nice to have been able to hop on or hop off, but um, yeah, we really needed to just yeah. do it in 10 days. And I think if you do have 10 days and you want to do that loop, it's easily the most convenient way to do it. Yeah, um, definitely. 
And I'm not just saying that because they chucked us on the tour, but um, I mean, I guess we'll talk about that then. But we went from Vang Vien to Vientiane. Uh, the the local bus left an hour before we did, mm-hmm. and we passed it when we were still an hour out um, out of the capital. Yes. Yeah. So it would have taken easily an extra three hours, I'm guessing, as they do more and more stops as That's they right. get closer to the the population centres. So yeah, it was it was really good. Um, but let's stop talking about the buses and start talking about what we did. Okay. Well, we started in Chiang Kong in Thailand. And uh, we woke up in the morning and headed to the border, which opens at 8 o'clock. And it's right on the river, on the Mekong River. So what you need to do is kind of go through customs on the Thai side, hop in a boat, go across to the Lao side. And then, wow, that was one of the most difficult and painful um, customs experiences I've ever had. Mm. It was it was crazy. It was mad. Like, signing out of Thailand was, was fine. I was, was a bit wary about uh, maybe having to pay a bribe or something like that to get my passport back. But nope, it was so straightforward, took under two minutes per person, um, just fill out the forms, stamped out. Yeah, actually they and opened then, about five to eight instead of eight o'clock, so yeah, we were out of the country before, nice. yeah, so it was great. Yeah, but then you, yeah, you wander, wander down around the corner, it's not signposted in any way, um, <laughs> and then, yeah, so just kind of follow the crowds, but you wander down around the corner and pay a small ferry boat to take you across the river. Yeah. And then the circus begins. So you get across the other side, and there's so many people who want to get in. And, like, the layout of the the office is really, really badly done. Mm. So it's all very cramped, and you've got two windows next to each other, and you you give them your passport and the money for the visa. They take it away and and work it out. Everyone's crowding around waiting for them um, to finish doing that so they can get their passports back. But, of course, it takes a while per person. Then when you finally do get it back, you pay... Then you have to take it to another office where you get stamped in. And then opposite all of this is also a currency exchange. So it's just like maybe two square meters of space with about 50 people trying to fit in there, trying to get their passports back. And it was just so painful. It was, yeah. It was manic. But um, we, we finally got out of there. Oh, one thing, um, currency exchange. The, um, the local currency, the um, kip, the kip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the kip is non-transferable. So it means if you take it out of the country, no one will exchange it for anything. It doesn't matter how much you have. You have yeah. 200 US dollars worth of kip, nobody cares. You you can't you can't officially convert it anywhere. Um but we had been warned when we got off the little ferry boat, the conversion rate there at the border crossing was quite bad. But we checked it against our rates that we had on uh, Linda's iPod, and it was only about two percentage points off. It was fine. It was absolutely fine. That's a lot better than you would get for most major currencies at Heathrow or Gatwick Airport, let me tell you. We changed a little bit there, but I wish we just changed all of our money because the the rate was fine. It was, you know, not much worse than the best we saw while we were in the country. And we we then proceeded to have lots of problems trying to exchange money because the banks were closed, the exchange places were closed, we had to exchange it in a little shop, and yeah. Yeah. Just exchange it there. The ATMs were down as well for the first two days that we were traveling. So luckily we'd caught up with um, Dave Dean. He's the first person now that we've met on four continents. Three continents. Three continents, Yeah. yeah. Four times in three continents then. Yeah. Um, But luckily we had caught up with him a little bit before, and he said... um, Look, when you're in Thailand, when you're in Chiang Mai, just pull out a bunch of money, enough for a week. And so we did that. We pulled out a couple of hundred dollars worth, I think about 300 US dollars worth of, um, of Thai baht. 
and that kept us going where many of the people we were traveling with were were quite stuck. And, yeah, because they couldn't get money you know, out of the ATM. Yeah, everyone's borrowing money off each other and, and things like that just definitely. to get through. It's definitely a good way to go. Take BART with you because you'll probably be arriving from Thailand and you'll probably be going back to Thailand. So mm. just get out a whole bunch of money in BART and exchange it when you're there because you, you won't have a problem exchanging from BART to KIP. Um, other currencies might be a bit more difficult. US dollars isn't a problem, but other currencies might be a bit more hard. And uh, yeah, don't trust the ATMs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, we jumped in our uh, bright orange stray bus, and it was the first day that we had we had actually seen the stray bus because yeah. stray uses public transport and a little bit of private shuttles in Thailand. And uh, we headed out down to Luang Nantha. This was one of the bumpiest rides I've been on <laughs> in a long time. Um, there were roadworks everywhere, admittedly, so they're improving all of these roads from, from the border. But, um, yeah, this area is called the Golden Triangle because it's the border between um, Laos, Thailand, and Burma, I believe, if I'm remembering rightly. And, um, yeah, so there's a whole lot of transport, and China's really close as well. That comes in from another angle. Mm-hmm. Um Sorry, it must be Thailand, China, and and Laos. Yeah, because um, they were building a casino yeah, right near the border, so that the Chinese could come down and could uh, just gamble. yeah hop over the border. Um, so yeah, it's called the Golden Triangle, and there's a lot of traffic through there. But gosh, the roads were terrible. Yeah, but um, yeah, so it was it was a really bumpy, bumpy ride. It was. So we arrived there and we went off to visit a waterfall, which is quite a nice waterfall. It was called, I think, the Good Water Waterfall. Nice. I thought it was quite a nice name. <laughs> and then in the evening, we went out to the night markets across the road from our hotel. We actually went on this big mission to try and find a bar called Happy Beer. But um, Happy Beer, sadly, is happy no longer. <laughs> <laughs> we, we couldn't find it anywhere. Someone claimed to have seen it on the drive into town. It didn't and, really um, exist. We couldn't find it. So we ended up having a sad beer or two back at our hotel <laughs> after we went to the night markets. The night markets were really fun. They had a whole bunch of stalls selling different types of food, including kind of local food. And we tried maggots. I bought a bag of these maggots. Yeah, and they were boiled as well. Now, yeah. a lot of the insects you buy and eat in Southeast Asia are fried. Yeah. But these were boiled, which gave them an entirely new and disgusting texture. It was really bad. They, they, <laughs> Craig described them as being like beans. So you've got like the harder outer membrane and then you bite into it and it's all soft and squishy Mm. so what we did was we had the bag on the table in front of us we were sitting on an outside table and every time someone from our tour came up said oh can i sit with you we said sure sure just have a maggot (laughs) (laughs) yep so yeah that was that was the price of entry and um, And, and just a random guy came up to ask us something he wanted to ask us where we got our chicken from and uh, we made him have some as well (laughs) (laughs) that was good fun good fun well Lang Namtha is um, a a hiking capital so it's a great place to base yourself if you want to explore the national parks in the north Mm -hmm. but um, we got up at about 6 o'clock in the morning and jumped back on the bus to go down to Nongkiao now on the way there this is one of two things that really stood out for me Uh, one was we stopped in a little village created entirely of kind of bamboo and wooden huts um, on the side of the road and we got to kind of walk around there with a local Lao guide and he explained a little bit about the lifestyle of the people and the economy of the village which was basically nothing slash stealing each other's laundry Um, (laughs) there was was just um, amazing, amazing poverty um, there but it was so kind of fascinating it felt a little bit zooish but not at all disneylandish 
but yeah, to to go in and and see this lifestyle that the regime and the country's caused, mm-hmm. and seeing the beginnings of of change as um, they've just had electricity installed there recently and things like that. Um, and yeah, the kids were out playing spinning tops. <laughs> it was hilarious. They had these spinning tops that must have weighed about a kilo each, maybe two kilos. And they were massive, big wooden things. And they used a, a stick with a length of cord to spin them. And then someone else would take his his same setup and kind of throw his spinning top at the other one to try and knock it away. But because it was shaped like a top, when it hit the ground, it could bounce in any direction. Like I saw one jump about 90 degrees left. And um, a couple of the people that were on the bus with us almost lost a leg. <laughs> um, as these like large hunks of wood came bouncing <laughs> at weird directions at great speed. Um, so that was a real highlight for me in Lao. And um, something quite sobering, I think. And then another one on that same ride, we stopped at a little market on oh, the yeah. side of the road. And um, Nicole, one of our tour guides, was saying that the stray bus had been running for three weeks and every week they'd been stopping at this market to you know, give them a chance of survival, to give people a chance to buy some things and she said even in that time, even in three weeks, the market had almost halved in size Wow! Um, because there just wasn't enough um, local people going through there to buy things so yeah. they were trying to, trying to keep it alive in some way by stopping and letting people buy stuff but Not that there was really that much that we would want to buy. I yeah. mean, the main produce was live bats. They had about 15 to 20 live bats hanging out by their, by their wings. It wasn't a very nice sight. Mm-hmm. And there was also a mole as well. Yeah. Um, I wasn't keen to buy bats or a mole. They also had bananas. No one, no one would let me buy, a, buy a, a bat to put in the bus. There are several <laughs> very good reasons for that. I would go into them, but I'm not going to. So, yeah, we bought some ground nuts and uh, someone bought some bananas. But yeah, there wasn't a lot on sale. I mean, it was a very, very small market. Yeah, and everything was foraged. That was the thing. Yeah. It wasn't like they were buying stuff from outside to bring here. Everything that was on sale was stuff that had been caught locally. Yeah, or collected. Um, or collected, like the ground nuts and the bananas that, uh, that we bought. So, yeah, I guess it's this weird thing of tourism, mm-hmm. you know, and how tourism changes a place. This market was dying. The community was... Well, is kind of in decline um, but by stopping the bus there and giving us a chance to buy a few things that are locally found and foraged um, maybe hopefully it will um, it will increase people's quality of life there a little bit yeah I hope so well that's um, the, the long way down to <laughs> down to Nongkiao yeah Nongkiao is a lovely lovely town we arrived there in early afternoon and it's right on the river we had these amazing huts that kind of were um, on stilts over the river with balconies and hammocks and we just relaxed for the afternoon, went for a walk around town and oh that evening was amazing. We went out for dinner and then afterwards we went to a disco which was the most hilarious disco I have ever been to, ever. So we walked into this tiny little basement room. It was very small, I mean like maybe 10 by 10 metres and uh, there were five or six people there, I think uh, three t- uh, Lao guys and three Lao girls and they were watching Um, a DVD of Thai dancing so the DVD had had music and they had five or six Thai women doing this kind of line dancing and no one was moving and so uh, one of the guys from our tour got up and started dancing and it was it was hilarious 
It was just so and, much and fun. And who else got up and started dancing? Someone else did too. Did they? And <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. And uh, yeah, but then they put on some really, really, really terrible kind of rap and hip-hop music and everyone else got up. And I think that it was better when we had the Thai music, personally. Smooth. Well, Linda might remember the uh, the drinking and dancing, um, but I remember <laughs> the, um, the the town itself. It's situated in this narrow river gorge with just mountains sliding up the side. Absolutely beautiful. And we had a little bungalow with uh, with a hammock out the front, and we could look over the the one bridge across the river at that mm-hmm. point. And um, yeah, at night with the sun setting, it was beautiful the next morning um, we were on a boat going down to Luang Prabang and um, just the mist yeah the mist was hanging was, so low over it was the hills. amazing and every quarter of an hour it lifted another 10 to 15 meters mm-hmm. as as it slowly burnt so off nice. and so you just had these yeah amazing big casts and um, and the the mountains just mm-hmm. appearing out of the mist so that was probably the most beautiful place yeah. that we visited Nampio was a, was a good place to start hikes as well. So yeah. if you want to go hiking, that's a good place to go. There were lots of tourist agencies there that would organise it for you. Yeah, yeah. we met a couple that have been um, climbing there as well yeah. with uh, an English expat who has mm-hmm. set up um, a Via Ferrata and um, yeah, a climbing centre. Okay, so after Nongkiao, we were in the boat. We had a choice between going by boat or going by bus. The boat trip took about six hours and it was really nice. It was quite relaxing and just nice and slow. Bus would have taken two hours, but yeah, we decided to stay with the tour group and, and go by boat. We also stopped at some caves along the way that were um, full of Buddha statues, which was really interesting. Yeah, there were a couple of thousand of them, weren't they? Yeah, there were there were heaps. So people have been leaving Buddha statues there for the last couple of hundred years. It's been a a religious temple for about a thousand years. Um, it was a Hindu temple, and then recently, well, comparatively recently, it was changed to be a Buddhist one. So that was definitely an interesting stop. Mm. And then from there we went to Luang Prabang, which we love. Uh, we were so sad because we arrived kind of late afternoon. And we see, we spent the afternoon uh, drinking beer with Graham from Stray, which is a lot of fun, but it did mean that we didn't see a lot of the town. <laughs> and then in the morning we got up really early to watch the, um, the monks being given alms, which was a really interesting experience. But yeah, we didn't really get to see a lot, a lot of the town. Mm. I would have liked to have spent more time there. That would have been somewhere I definitely would have hopped off the bus. Yeah, I mean, Luang Prabang was the the place where I'd be most likely to want to live in Laos. Definitely. It's, it's, mm-hmm. well, it's weird, isn't it? There's um, historical Luang Prabang, which is out in a little peninsula on the river. But then um, there's kind of a modern Luang Prabang, which we didn't even catch sight of. Yeah. And I would have liked to, to explore the new city, which isn't UNESCO heritage listed and where people are kind of building and, mm-hmm. and modernizing. But at the same time, the, the old town was stunning, easily one of the prettiest UNESCO heritage sites that we've been to. It was so nice. And... We visited the night markets in the evening, and it was definitely one of the nicest markets we've ever oh been to. Oh, my goodness. All of the yes. products were really high quality and really beautiful things. Yeah. We bought a few things like a baby's bibs, and they had little books for children, and really nice jewelry and, and yeah. clothing, and everything was Amazing just nice. Silk. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm really jaded when it comes to markets. We spend like. <laughs> far too much time in markets. But these ones actually had really good stuff. It wasn't just all the same cotton t-shirts printed with dumb slogans they were really beautiful 
handmade crafts. Yeah, we would have liked to have bought a lot more than we did, but of course living out of a backpack and that's a little bit difficult. And they had a section for food as well, so we had dinner there, and that was mm, really nice. Fantastic. Yeah, we yeah. had a really good time. Yeah, so Luang Prabang is probably my number one pick for a place to go in Laos. Yeah. And then, um, you know, out of the places we went, and then go up further north to the places we've just talked about mm-hmm. to, to go and do hiking. So it was a bit of a shock and a sad surprise to go on to Vang Vieng, which I don't quite know how to express it in strong enough terms is disgusting and terrible and awful. And if you're going to Laos, just avoid it. Don't even think about going there. We went, of course, we were part, as part of the tour, and we, um, we arrived in the early afternoon, and immediately we were kind of overwhelmed by the sense of, I do not want to be here. It was just, you know, the worst of tourism. Every restaurant had uh, American sitcoms blaring at full volume. Everyone was wandering around with their shirts off, which is quite disrespectful in Laos. And everyone was drunk and bruised from going down the river in, a, um, in an inner tube because the water was really, really low, and so it was a very, very dangerous time to do it. And in fact, the previous week, two people had died uh, tubing, and they still didn't close the river. And oh, it just makes me sick. The whole place just made me very sad. Yeah, it was the kind of place that when we spent the last three to four years promoting travel and tourism, and this is enough to make me never want to promote travel and tourism and everyone should just stay at home and never go anywhere else no it's almost like that that's how i felt when i was there but that's because people the people who were there really weren't respecting the culture i definitely think you should go to laos definitely but keep your shirt on (laughs) (laughs) you know i mean just think about where you are don't don't act as if you're on the beach at home because you're not at the beach at home. Yeah, well, Vung Vieng is that kind of place. I mean, it's the only place um, I think I've ever sat down in a cafe and been given a menu with a list of drugs on it that I can buy. Yeah. Um, with the exception of Amsterdam, um, which is a completely different case in point. Yeah. Um, you don't get the death penalty for using narcotics in uh in Amsterdam. That's right. But yeah, it was just, um, it was the worst of backpacker culture condensed and dropped in the middle of a beautiful valley. So the Vang Vieng region is lovely and wonderful and amazing. Um, but try, if you can, um, this is what I would have liked to have done if we had been there longer, is to find somewhere 20, 30, 40 k's up or down the river and base myself there for all the great hiking, climbing, um, there's some clear areas of the river where you can do river snorkeling. Um, yeah, so fantastic place, but horrible, horrible town. Yeah, just avoid it. Go somewhere else. Because a lot of people will go, oh, I'll just go there and do tubing once, and then they'll get stuck, and <laughs> yeah. you know they won't see anything else at last. And that's well, just guess, a real, real pity. I guess the main thing is by spending your money there, you're telling the Lao people that this is what people want to see in your country, Yeah, which will further destroy things so yeah it was it was really going from 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 light into darkness i guess to use a metaphor going from lamprabang to vang vien yeah we talked to someone i think it was dave dean who did it in the other direction first he went to vang vien and then he went up to lamprabang and he said it wasn't that bad he said that was better because you know he, he went tubing he had a good day and then left left <laughs> yeah and um and then he went to lamprabang which is obviously infinitely better but because we'd just come from this beautiful UNESCO World Heritage Place and it was just so nice and it felt really authentic and, and real and it 
the markets were beautiful. And then we went to, insert expletive here, um, Bangbing. It was just a real disappointment. Mm, it was. Um, so from there we passed on to Vientiane, which is the, the capital of Laos. Yeah, and that's a really nice city as well. We did a walking tour the next day using the travel fish guide, and it's definitely highly recommended because you get, it, you get to see a lot of the highlights of Vientiane. You really need at least a half day or preferably a whole day to do the tour to see, I think there's about eight stops along mm. the way. Uh, things like uh, monuments and uh, we really enjoyed going to Cope, which was uh, kind of a museum and kind of, how would you describe it? It's a rehabilitation centre and research centre for yes. people who have um, lost limbs, especially lost limbs, um, because of the huge amount of unexploded ordnance that yeah. the Americans left there um, during the Vietnam War. They were also carpet bombing and leaving a lot, a lot, a lot of explosives right through Laos. Yeah, to stop um, tro- um, to stop movement of troops, basically. Yeah, um, and and supplies as well. Mm. And oh man, I felt angry a lot of the time in Laos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was there was a lot of. A lot of crap the government's done to its own people and a lot of crap that external forces have have done to make it worse. Yeah, Cope made me very, very sad. I couldn't believe it because I didn't know how much unexploded ordnance there is, but there's heaps and people are still dying Gosh, today. There's so much. Yeah. yeah, and you wouldn't have thought it. You wouldn't have thought, oh, okay, here's the Vietnam War. Oh, okay, so the next door country that had nothing to do with it is going to be pretty much demolished through yeah. that as well. Oh, yeah, it was so it was horrible, but um, yeah, definitely somewhere to go. Um, watch the documentaries. Um, they've got free documentaries running on a loop. Um, they've got some really interesting and well curated exhibitions, mm-hmm. and all the money they raise goes towards um, rehabilitation for people that have been hurt, mm-hmm. and um, also awareness and kind of PR campaigns to to raise funds to continue removal of mm-hmm. unexploded ordnance. So, so yeah, yeah, that was part of the tour, and we also went on to see the Patusan Monument, which is uh, mm-hmm. Laos's Arc de Triomphe yep. on uh, Laos's Champs Elysees. Yeah, they've got real names, but no one calls them that. <laughs> yeah, the French influence is really strong, isn't it? Yeah, it um, really is. I had to laugh at the sign on the uh, on the, the Arc de Triomphe, oh, yes. <laughs> um, which said it, it's a concrete monster. <laughs> yeah, because uh, it's not finished. It yeah. looks really good from far away, but you get up close, and it's got all. Um, it's supports sticking out. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's just grey concrete, a lot of it yeah. um, kind of chipped grey concrete. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, yeah, I mean, there isn't, Vientiane doesn't really have any nightlife or a lot to see. In fact, I think you're meant to be home by midnight in a lot of Laos as a, as a foreigner. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of the, well, all of the guest houses and hotels we went to said that they locked the door at midnight. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of our friends who was out at three o'clock in the morning um, was was stopped, stopped and, by the police. Uh, yeah. By the police, yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, there's it's not a big Laos isn't a party town, a party country. Sorry, unless you're in Bang Vien, um, in which case it, there isn't much else that goes on. <laughs> and yeah, but it's it's beautiful. It's got these cultural artifacts. Um, Cope was for me a a big big. Mm part of the day that we spent there and amazing temples and um, one of the temples we went into had the um, I think it was over 2,000 Buddhas in little niches in the wall and now it's fantastic. That was really cool. I think what we might do for the show notes for this episode is 
just put in a lot of pictures of these places because we've got some great great shots yeah and uh we've kind of talked about them but not really i don't know i don't feel we've really captured it so yeah we'll, we'll put up lots of photos in the show notes for this one yeah it's kind of difficult to describe it was a, such a beautiful country i mean i for me one of the biggest things about laos was just driving along you know through the countryside seeing the mist hanging over the hills and it's really difficult to describe that. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you really have to be there. Even with photos, you don't quite get it. Yeah. It was just so nice being in the bus, sitting back, listening to something on my iPod and just soaking in the environment mm. of being in the hills. Yeah. You know, it was nothing like at home. We have lots of hills back home, but the, um, the landscape was so craggy mm. and the mist just kind of hung around for hours. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really was fantastic. Um, I don't know how else to, to put it. But um, should we close up by talking about um, the, the trip back from Vientiane? Uh, we went back to Bangkok. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was also organized by, by Stray. Yes. Okay. So we, we hopped into a tuk-tuk, which took us to a, um, a railway station. Then we had to take one train from the, that railway station to another railway station, which was on the Thai side. And from there, we, uh, we caught the train back to Bangkok. So after getting off the tuk-tuk, we were, um, we were at a border, basically. So we had to leave Laos. Yeah. And, you know, so that involved giving our passports over and getting them stamped. And they asked us for some money. And I didn't understand. I was like, well, what's it for? So I said, they said, uh, we want 10,000 kit, please. And I said, what for? And they just put our passports to one side and motioned to the next person to come along. So he wouldn't explain to me what I was paying for. There was no chance of a receipt. It was just a straight-out bribe. I was so angry. And there was absolutely nothing I could do. Everyone else was just paying. And we didn't actually have any kit left because, as Craig said, it's a non-transferable currency, so you can't use it outside of the country, and this was us leaving. So we'd been very careful to spend it all. Eventually it turned out we could pay with um, Thai baht. But, oh. Which we had to borrow off of... Um, off scene, off who scene. we were with. yeah. Because we didn't, we only had a really large note, and there was absolutely no way I was giving this dirty, corrupt border guard a large note. Yeah, <laughs> but we did get, um, we did get change in oh, part yeah. for our for our bribe. So yeah, expect a an unofficial payment of of ten thousand kip per person when when leaving Laos by that border. Uh, I don't know what it fluctuates to at other borders. But uh, yeah, if you'd like to hold on to your own passport, ex- yeah. expect to throw money at them. Yeah, and um, uh, then. So we just had about a 10-minute uh, train trip across a very nice bridge to get to Thailand where we had no problems getting into the country. And, uh, yeah, they went to wait around for a while before getting a night train back to Bangkok. Yeah, and that train was um, was relatively nice. Yeah, I mean, we, we didn't have an air-conditioned cabin, and that was good because yeah. our friend Seem, who, who did have one, um, almost froze to death. Yeah, um, he was upgraded for free. He got an yeah. air-conditioned place instead of the, the fan one, which we'd all paid for. And um, we were like, oh, that's so unfair. But when we all met up after, after the trip, it turned out that actually we were <laughs> We won. <laughs> Smooth. Well, um, we're, we're introducing once again this uh, community wisdom section of the podcast where we talk about what's happening at IndieTravelPodcast.com forward slash community. Uh, these are new boards that we've opened up. There are over 110 people there talking together, commenting, making friends. It's so exciting. It's only... It's only new, and everyone's really getting involved in it, so we're so enthusiastic. Yeah, it's, it's been good fun. Um, some of the hot threads at the moment are um, European Christmas markets, mm-hmm. so you can have your say on where you think the best European Christmas markets are. 
Um, your thoughts on the TSA's naked body scanners. Um, <laughs> are you going to be flying this December and are you going to be going through uh, the scanners either in the UK or in the States? Um, T. Roy is looking for contacts in Goa because he and Christine from almostfearless.com are uh, planning a charity tuk-tuk race so awesome. um, in India. <laughs> so um, they're looking for, for contacts. They're also looking for advice on, on a name. It's going to be an annual event. So this is your chance to, uh, to help with naming a charity tuk-tuk race. Yeah, when was the last That's, time you did that? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> That's been cool. Um, and there's lots of talk about Central and South American destinations, which has been great as Linda and I are planning on spending time there next year. Also, Michael has a great idea about crossing North Africa by camel caravan, which sounds fascinating. So if anyone's travelled in North Africa or has any contacts in North Africa that he can talk to, please chip in there. Yeah, um, so you see how, how interesting and varied these conversations are. It's, it's just been a fantastic week as this has kicked off. Yeah. So um, for every post in December, um, you get one entry to a prize draw that we're running. You can either win a 25 buck Amazon voucher or a $50 voucher to donate to Kiva, um, which is a microfinancing organization. So you can find out more there at kiva.com forward slash team forward slash indie travel. And uh, if you sign up there and you're signed up to Kiva and you go to slash team slash indie travel, uh, you can join our team. And that means that we can see how much money the indie travel podcast community is donating to small entrepreneurs. Well, the entrepreneurs maybe aren't small, but um, <laughs> small businesses in order to microfund them. And yeah. then the loans get paid back and yeah. you can reinvest the money again. Yeah, we really love Kiva because it's not charity. Basically, people are borrowing money to, to fund their businesses, be it, I don't know, a, a tailor in Cambodia or a, um, a tuk-tuk driver in India or whatever. So maybe they need to buy parts or products or whatever. And then once they've earned enough money to pay it back, they pay it back. So you're not just giving them money. They're borrowing it, so they kind of get to keep their self-respect. And then they pay it back, and you can reinvest that in someone else. Yeah. So the money just goes round and round and round. Yeah. And I think it's awesome. And they're paying interest as well, uh-huh. which funds um, the other side of things. That funds Kiva and funds the local partners that are kind of acting as the bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it, it all works out but it gives gives us a chance to microfinance these small businesses in developing countries so come by the site leave a comment or a post on indietravelpodcast.com slash community and you'll go into the draw to win either $50 to donate to Kiva or a $25 Amazon voucher so you can choose yeah it's uh, yeah it's, it's just it's really awesome. cool really exciting um, yeah there's so much stuff happening remember you can help the Indie Travel Podcast stay travelling by booking through us so visit indietravelpodcast.com slash flights slash hotels slash hostels and slash insurance when you're booking a travel online we also have great travel deals updating daily at indietravelpodcast.com slash deals and you can visit indietravelpodcast.com forward slash Amazon when shopping online now and through Christmas or get a free audiobook with a two week trial at Audible through indietravelpodcast.com forward slash Audible or slash audiobook and for some ways of helping us out without spending a cent Tell your friends about Indie Travel Podcast. Invite them to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash Indie Travel or leave a five-star review for us on iTunes. As always, love you guys. You're amazing. And until next week, travel well.